Hello, Shiver Seekers. Are you ready to follow us to Oktoberfest? I'm Cynthia. And I'm Stephanie. You have found the dark oak. Ooh. Creepy. <laughs> the dark oak we celebrate with oktoberfest all month the whole spooky month each episode during the month of october we will bring you what we call a campfire story which is a little five to ten minute ditty specifically for you all about you this is a short story that you can memorize and tell to your family around a campfire uh the couch in your living room in the car on a drive, just a little something to get you guys in the spooky mood. I love it. Yeah. Be the most popular person around the campfire. <laughs> around the Yeah. You want to be the entertainer. You want to be the entertainer. Yeah. And Cynthia and I, we love telling stories to you. And we want to give you a chance to feel what it's like. So yeah. we're going to give you a little, a little fun. Now, you may have heard some of these stories before. They've been around for a while, but they're just some of my favorites. They're ones that I personally have told to my kids. And some of them they get a little creeped out by. Some of them they laugh. Either way, we have great family time. And I think it's just a great way to celebrate. I agree. Now, if this isn't for you, just skip ahead five or ten minutes. And we have a full episode dedicated to, of course, spooky Halloween-y things. Without further ado... Here is today's campfire story. All right, I got to get into character here. Okay, bring it. Years ago, a man inherited a house from his great uncle who died in the war. The house sat on a hill outside the town in the next state, and rumors were that the house was haunted. The man traveled to the town to inspect the house and found that it was a wonderful old mansion. It was in great condition, but very, very old. But he decided to go ahead and move in and enjoy his inheritance. A couple of weeks after he moved in, late at night, the phone rang. When he answered it, a voice said, I am the vendor Viper. I will be there in two weeks. And then the phone hung up. Oh, gosh. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> the man was like, what on earth is going on here? So the next day he woke up and was like, vendor viper so he wound up googling it thinking he was some kind of snake okay what the heck is a vendor viper couldn't find anything okay maybe it's just some weird misdial some robocall or something right he didn't think anything of it for the next few days but then a week later the phone rang again on the other line he heard i am the vendor viper i will be there in one week and the phone went dead He's thinking, what is happening here? The vendor viper. So he starts asking around town. Okay, maybe there's something with this house. Maybe there's something I should know. Is there somebody in town named the vendor viper? Like, what's going on? And everybody, of course, looked at him like he was insane, right? Because sure. What the heck is he talking about? Yeah. Four days later, late at night, the phone rang again. I am the vendor viper. I will be there in two days. <laughs> I'm scared. The man's actually getting a little concerned yeah. now. He's like, okay, this went from weird prank to like, what is coming in two days? The next night, the phone rang again. I am the vendor Viper. I will be there tomorrow. The man um, is scared. Sure. <laughs> He's really scared. As am I. He's really scared. But he's thinking, you know what? Maybe it's just going to blow over. Okay. Maybe it's going to blow over. But he makes 
uh, bow to himself. If the man does call again, or if anything creepy happens at the house, I'm going to call the police, right? He kind of put them on notice. He, I may be calling you guys because something weird's happening at my house. And of course, they're like, oh, that's the new weirdo that just moved in. He's <laughs> telling everybody I'm a vendor viper. So of course, they're thinking he's nuts. But like, guys, I may be calling you tomorrow. because Something weird's going to happen. That evening, the phone rang. I am the vendor viper. I will be there in one hour. The man calls the police. No one answers. Turns out it was some small town sheriff station. They had gone home for the night, not heeding any of his warnings, uh-huh. right? So he tries to get in his car. His battery's dead. So he has to go back in the house, knowing that the vendor viper is coming. There was a knock on his door. He knows he has to do something, but he's thinking, okay, I had called the sheriff station. I know they're closed, but I told them somebody may be coming, so maybe that's them. So he goes to the door. He cracks it just a tiny little bit, and he says in a shaky voice, he said, is, is it the police? Hoping that they've come to his aid. But what does he hear? No, I am the vendor viper. I come every month to wash and vipe your windows. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my campfire story, (laughs) y'all. My kids literally roll on the floor laughing about the vendor vibe. The vendor vibe. Who comes to wash and vibe your windows? I can't wait to go home and share that one. (laughs) I am the vendor vibe. That's funny. I've never heard that. Yeah. It's a good one. Believe it or not, my mom actually used to tell that to my brother and I when we were little. (laughs) She had a way with the V's. (laughs) That's cute. All right. Well, I'm bringing to you tales of some of the creepiest, crawliest, downright ickiest bugs here to haunt your house. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yes. Bugs that torture us. Bugs that disgust us. Bugs that scare the poopy out of us i got them all right here. all about bugs oh, oh, i know a lot of people who are already freaking out people with arachnophobia mm. on notice yes but you, you know have what? been warned hey shiver seekers you're looking for it yeah we got a man up all right all right are you ready i'm ready okay first i'm gonna hone in on insects that are keen on torture okay yeah. Let's start strong. We're just out, out of the chute. First on our list is the bullet ant. Okay. The bullet ant isn't just your average creepy crawly. A sting from this wicked species of ant results in one of the most painful and torturous bites transmitted by any other insect in the world. Wow. It is said to produce the same agony as being shot by a nail gun. What? Yeah. An ant? An ant. An ant. The burning pain is instantaneous and excruciating. And this part, I mean, I was like, nope, 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 nope. It can last unabated, continuous pain for up to 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no go. It's a no go for me. Wow. These sinister ants are found in the humid rainforest of Central and South America, and they are agile as well as huge, meaning they can hang on to their victims. They grow up to an inch long, and their feet work like glue on any substance they want to attach to. Stick on you. Mm-hmm. Crazy enough. Some ceremonial manhood rituals, like there's a native people in the Amazon region of Brazil, they have participants be voluntarily stung a few dozen times by the bullet ant just to prove how brave they are. A few dozen times. Yeah. 
It's like a wow. Like a rate of so it's not passage. toxic, so or, or venomous, so it won't no, kill you. No. It's just gonna make you wish you were dead. What, yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Wow. Yeah, deaths um, from the bullet ant are actually really rare, even though they are indeed possible. Wow. I'm kind of glad the ant is so big, though, because it's like at least you could probably feel it or see it on you. I feel like that's better than being like so little. Because have you ever had an ant on you? You don't even know it's on you. Oh, if a one inch ant starts marching towards me Mm -hmm. uh, at least you can like see it coming that's fair yeah that's fair yeah if i see an ant coming to torture me Mm. then i'll be sure to steer clear yeah next on our list is the japanese giant hornet (laughs) doesn't sound frightening at all (laughs) no 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 one should make a scary horror movie about this insect (laughs) it's two inches long okay and mm. it's also known commonly as the murder hornet. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. say. Okay. This is the guy. Now, of course, we heard about murder hornets. Yes. It was all tied up in quarantine and everybody thought that everybody's going to like hell in a handbag. The world was the ending. The world is ending. Exactly. But these guys are for real. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. They are, re- they are for real. They don't normally live here in the United States. They're most commonly located in uh, East Asia and Japan, uh, but they are invasive into the United States. And they have been found here, right? They did make it they over. Absolutely. Because I remember being here. like, oh, great. Now we've got that. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no one's really sure exactly how they got here mm-hmm. to the United States, but they ho- pose a huge threat, not only to humans, but also to European and American bees. Oh, the Asian giant hornet is known to decimate entire honeybee colonies. They use their spiked-shaped mandibles, which are like their little mouth parts. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they decapitate the bees and fly away with their thoraxes, which is like the rest of their body. They fly away with their thoraxes to feed them to their offspring. Okay. Violent. Yeah. Yeah. This is referred to among scientists as the slaughter phase. Okay. (laughs) Now, within 90 minutes... Within 90 minutes, a small number of giant hornets can destroy an entire colony of bees. Aww. Yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Then, after they've killed all the bees, they live in the colony for a few days, and they eat the rest of the pupae and larvae, so all the bee babies, basically, before they return to their own underground hives, like little hornet yeah. caves, like little creepos. Aww. Yeah. This is interesting, though. Lest you think the bees are done, listen to this. While European honeybees have no defense against this killer species, Japanese honeybees do. They retaliate by forming a ball around their enemy, beating their wings wildly, which creates heat and increases carbon dioxide levels. As the heat inside reaches over 115 degrees Fahrenheit, the horner is hornet is suffocated and then cooked. Isn't that interesting that like the bees from the area that they yes. have like evolved to like find a defense? That's so and science is so fascinating. Yeah. So they suffocate and cook their enemy. Wow. Okay. So, good uh, for them. Go, go honeybees. Go. <laughs> go honeybees. Go. Exactly. <laughs> Although they don't generally attack humans, it does happen from time to time. And in Japan, 30 to 50 people die annually from the hornet's sting. Wow. Moreover, their sting can even puncture a beekeeper's suit. And the pain is what's described as unbearable. Oh, man. Yeah. In 2013, 42 people died in one Chinese province province after being stung. Um, there is even evidence of the sting causing necrosis and death due to kidney failure. Oh, that's scary. Like yeah. when it shuts your body down. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. Awful. Don't want that guy. Um, wow. All right. Um, you know, I alluded to arachnophobia listeners this is when you should skip forward okay bring it on because our next guy is the australian funnel web spider okay the toxins from this slayer can kill a human being in 15 minutes Mm. there are 35 species of funnel web spiders but only one holds the title for world's deadliest the sydney funnel web spider located in australia are huge, aggressive. I mean, that's what you like in a spider, right? Huge and aggressive. 
Are you even a spider if you're not <laughs> those two things? And their big rearward facing fangs. So basically it's sitting there and its fangs are literally so large. It's now like pointing okay. to its abdomen. All right. They are capable of piercing through fingernails. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. As if that visual <laughs> didn't creep you out. Yeah. The bite of a Sydney funnel web is initially very painful with clear fang marks separated by several millimeters. So literally you can see yeah, where the fangs fang went in. The size of the fangs is responsible for the initial pain. In some cases, the spider will remain attached to its victims by its fangs Ooh. until it's removed. Its fangs get so embedded it can't even like get itself out. Right. Physical symptoms can include copious secretions of saliva, muscular twitching and breathing difficulties, disorientation and confusion leading to unconsciousness. The males are particularly deadly because they often wander into human settlements in search of mates. Before the development of antivenom in 1981, the spider, spider caused at least 13 deaths, including seven children. Oh. Yeah. Which makes sense, though, because they're smaller and it would take less to kill them. I'm just happy to know we have antivenom. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Next is the venomous puss caterpillar. <gasps> okay, <laughs> we have those here. We do have those and here. And they, I've never been stung by one, but I have seen. And by here, we mean Florida. Florida, yeah. For sorry. our new yes. listeners, that's okay, but we absolutely do. Have them here, uh, and they do not play. No. So now I'll give you even more reasons to be scared of them. Okay. Let's go. Mm. <laughs> These are the most lethal caterpillars in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes them even worse is these little furry creatures can shape shift and they kind of look like a little harmless kitten napping on a little tree branch. They're cute. They're like really fluffy. They are really fluffy. They're like this cute little fluffy brown creature mm -hmm. like sleeping on a leaf. Yeah. But um, these innocent looking insects are covered in downy fur that disguises small, extreme, extremely toxic spines that impale the skin. Have you ever seen like the scar from someone who has been oh, gosh, stung no. by one? It they like you see the I don't know how to describe it, but just like almost like, like puncture the marks. Puncture marks. Like it leaves a very, very distinct mark. I'm gonna um, have to check it out. Yeah. Ooh. And I feel like I find that so funny, like that something that looks so cute can be so awful. And it gets kids a lot because they yes. don't know it doesn't look menacing. At all? No, we were at our local playground. It was a year ago now, and they were everywhere because they yep. kind of come out in they, certain like, fall from the trees. Yeah, they stuff. fall from. They're yep. everywhere. Yeah, we literally left the playground because it was so. It was pretty intimidating. Yeah. The puss caterpillar sting feels like a bee sting, only worse. Then pain worsens until it makes your bones burn and ache. Holy guacamole. Victims describe the pain as similar to a broken bone or blunt force trauma or even white hot. Goodness. The reactions are sometimes localized to the affected area, but are often very severe, radiating up a limb and causing burning, swelling, nausea, headache, abdominal distress, rashes, blisters, and sometimes chest pain, numbness, or difficulty breathing. Sweating from the welts or hives at the site of the sting is not unusual. Well, I mean, that makes me want to never go back to the playground. Yeah. Well, we're done with playgrounds now, All right. Kids. Thanks Sorry. for ruining that, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to move on to bugs that are just gross. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's haunt our dreams with those. First. Is a beautiful sounding insect called the emerald. Well, okay, this part isn't great, but some people just call it the emerald wasp. Okay. The full name is the emerald cockroach wasp. Okay. Not but, not so beautiful. It's a very interesting emerald cockroach wasp. Like those three words just don't <laughs> seem to go together. That's just really interesting. I will tell you, I have watched multiple videos on this wasp. I find it revolting and absolutely fascinating all at the same time. It is a beautiful metallic green blue wasp that's about an inch long. Okay. So it's very small, mm -hmm. but it really is beautifully colored. 
It's affectionately called the jeweled wasp and is quite beautiful and not for us, for humans, but to some other insects, it is quite deadly. Okay. Here's where the gross part comes in. In order to, quote, help its young, the female wasp turns savage. It uses mind control to create zombie bugs. First, it finds a big fat cockroach. And then it stings it in its thorax with a particular venom that mildly and reversibly paralyzes the cockroach's front leg for a period of two to three minutes. While the cockroach is immobile, the wasp injects the second venom sting at an exact spot in the victim, the cockroach, the victim's head ganglia or brain. So it literally feels around with its little stinger until it finds the exact spot in its brain and it injects it with this second venom. It is in the exact spot that removes the cockroach's escape reflex. What a smart wasp. It's fascinating. That is like so. And so creepy. Whoa. Maniacal. So maniacal. But yet. So fascinating. It is. And yet it's beautiful. And. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Once the host, meaning the cockroach, is incapacitated, the wasp chews off half of each of the cockroach's antenna. Oh, that's mean. When it does that, a little bit of blood comes out from the antenna and it tastes it to make sure that it has injected it with exactly the right amount of venom. (laughs) Too much venom means its victim will die before it is, quote, used. And I will tell you what that means. Okay. And too little and the cockroach won't stay immobile long enough. Okay. So it makes sure it's done its job correctly. The wasp, which is too small to carry the roach, then leads its victim to the wasp burrow by pulling one of the roach's antenna in a manner similar to a leash. You guys, you've got the most bizarre thing I've ever. You've got to see videos of this tiny little gorgeous wasp walking a roach that's still alive but completely incapacitated. That's right. It's it's lost its runaway, and so it follows this wasp wherever okay. it leads it. It's so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. So again, it pulls it into its little burrow. In the burrow, the wasp will lay one or two white eggs about two millimeters long between the roach's legs. It then exits and proceeds to fill in the burrow entrance methodically and carefully with surrounding debris more to keep other predators out than to keep its victim in right okay the victim's essentially incapacitated, incapacitated. So can't move. Okay. it's alive it's perfectly alive sure it's mentally aware but Mental- can't move but can't move Ooh. yes Ooh. yes it doesn't move like it doesn't know it's just there right so again in these videos it, it's almost like tetris like it finds perfectly fitting pieces mm-hmm. and like covers this burrow hole mm-hmm. With its escape reflex disabled, the stung roach simply rests in the burrow as the wasp's eggs hatch after about three days. The hatched larvae lives and feeds for four to five days on the roach, then chews its way into its abdomen and continues to live inside it as an endoparasitoid. So a parasite. A parasite. So that's why the roach has to be alive. Exactly. Listen to this crazy stuff, though. Over a period of eight days, the final instar larva will consume the roach's internal organs, eating it in the exact order to keep it alive the longest. Oh, my gosh. This is the scariest thing I've ever (laughs) heard. I know. I feel like like, a whole movie could be made about this. Oh, my gosh. Now, it eventually winds up killing its host. And it enters the pupil stage inside a cocoon in the roach's body, like its hollowed out little body. It, listen to this, it wards off bacteria. Because think about it, it's in 
it's in a roach. It's in a decaying roach. Yes. It's a dead roach. It's full of germs. It keeps it from having bacteria by making it forms in its own body and spits out antibacterial solution that it smears all over the inside of the roach's body. <laughs> Eventually, the full-grown wasp emerges from the roach's body to begin its adult life. And that's how every single one of these is born or hatched or whatever. That's exactly right. The female wasp needs to only mate once in order to successfully parasitize and zombify several dozen roaches. Oh, wow. So we just, okay, there's that one. Let me find the next roach and do it all over again. Uh-huh. And, and it digs all these little burrows and puts and inserts a roach with an egg into each one. Isn't that interesting? And also so weird. It is, but I wonder if, like, that's, like, nature's way of, like, okay, we're going to control the roach population by having this wasp. Listen, I don't hate this wasp. Gotta be real with you. It's oh, gross. The I kind of hate it. Like, I, I kind of hate it. That's just, I mean, if a roach gets in my house, I, I won't. I don't, I don't kill stuff. I try not to. So, the fact that this is, like, so slowly... <laughs> killing yeah even something as gross and ugly as a roach it's just like ooh, nature's weird wait until i tell you about our next nightmare bug <laughs> oh joy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that roach might be enough or the the wasp oh no wait till you have this one okay because our next one is called a hairworm hairworms okay. are the stuff of nightmares <laughs> okay i'm just gonna let you know sounds like it the freshwater hairworm Hatches their eggs in water, like swamps, streams, sometimes even pools and like dog bowls. So basically anywhere there's like standing okay. water, right? The egg turns into larvae, which are eventually eaten by tiny insects. Those tiny insects are eaten by larger insects, like crickets and grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. The worm, which goes into the larger... Okay, it survives so being it, eaten. It survives being eaten okay. because it infects the smaller insect. Okay. Who is then another parasite. So okay. now it's another. So now it's in a large insect. Okay, gotcha. Okay. The worms then grow now that they're in their like final host mm -hmm. body. They grow into a foot long spaghetti shaped worm. <laughs> like a tapeworm or uh, something bigger. a pinworm or something oh, after a couple of months the worm uses mind control <laughs> i love the mind control bugs i don't even know how else to describe <laughs> it know, like i'm not crazy. even trying to be sensationalist yeah no. it's creepy it uses mind control to send its host senselessly in search of water once they find it the worm makes the cricket or grasshopper or whatever bug it is jump into the water Commit suicide by drowning itself. Once it's dead, the worm bursts out of the host abdomen in a slimy mess. <laughs> the adults then mate and lay eggs to be consumed by new hosts. And the cycle continues. I'm telling you, do not look at pictures of a hairworm because they are... I'm so looking at photos. <laughs> There's a reason they're in my gross category. Next on our list is the human bot fly. Okay. Are you familiar with these? Wait, dead cadavers, right? Uh -huh. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, they can be on living victims, they can be on dead victims. Yes. Yeah, bot flies. But they're very important in the they decomposition. Can, they can be. Okay. Yes, they can yes. be. Um, but they also live on living creatures. Okay. Too. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> okay. yes. Oh, yes. Um, especially these human bot flies. Mm -hmm. So there are several different kinds of bot flies. Um, they're all large, hairy flies that kind of resemble bumblebees. Mm -hmm. like they're pretty big. They are indigenous to Central and South America. And they lay their eggs on warm-blooded mammals, including buffaloes, cattle, cats, dogs, monkeys, pigs, rabbits, sheep, and humans. Once the eggs hatch and the larvae emerge, they burrow into the skin of these animals and they can flourish anywhere in the body, including tear ducts, eyelids, and even the brain. 
Ugh. This action causes painful pustules. I hate that word, by That's the way. That's word. That secrete toxic fluids. The human botfly, though, is even more stealthy. The female human botfly uses over 40 species of mosquitoes and other flies to transport her eggs to the human hosts. Oh. The female captures the mosquito and attaches her eggs to its body, then releases it. Oh, man. Yeah. Either the eggs hatch while the mosquito's feeding, like on a human. Sure. And the larvae use the mosquito bite as an entry point. So then it drops off and then crawls into the hole that the mosquito made, oh. which just totally grosses me out. Or they just kind of drop off. Like if it's a regular fly, not okay. a biting fly, they'll mm -hmm. drop off whenever they like notice they're on human skin. Um, either way, the larvae begin to burrow into the skin and they live in the subcutaneous later of their host. Um, you know, us, Cuban <laughs> bot fly. Um, after about eight weeks, they wriggle out. Um, from the large gaping hole they have made in the skin and that begin the life cycle all over. Okay. I have to tell you something that's going to let you know how weird I am. Tell me. I'm one of those people who there's something about mosquito bites. Like I love mosquito bites. I love what I know it makes I'm the only person on the planet that I know of who feels this way. I'm sure I'm not alone. Please write in. Let me know. I'm not alone. <laughs> I love the sting. I love watching them fill with blood. I love the itchy bump afterwards. I love everything about it. So much so that my entire life, anytime a mosquito has landed on me, I will let that thing go to town. So much so I've developed um, a, I'm completely. Like uh, you don't I, have a reaction I, to the No reaction. Anymore? I've literally complete, I can't think of the word, but. Yes, yeah, so you basically uh, have an immunity. To immunity, the bites. thank you. Yeah, I'm completely immune to mosquito bites because I have allowed so many mosquito uh, enzymes don't they itch nothing but i won't originally get a, originally yes i would get a beautiful bump and it would itch and i loved it because that's the oh. fun of it and now nothing a mosquito i could be covered in mosquito bites nothing i'll feel the initial bite i won't get a bump like sometimes if i'm bored i'll like google mosquito bites images <laughs> just like look at the weird bumps i don't know i'm a weird person okay this is really weird i now. also do i also like look at ringworm and like eczema and pictures and stuff i'm oh. weird but well you should definitely look up the hairworm i will you know i will <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say now for the first time in my life when a mosquito even though i don't get a reaction i still will let the mosquito i haven't gotten a reaction for years i'll still let the mosquito be there as long as it wants just hoping that maybe maybe just hoping it'll come back like I'll, I'll get the reaction but now i'm not gonna be able to do that because i'm gonna be so worried that some bot flies burrowing in you ruined it for me <laughs> <laughs> well so you're okay with the mosquito but not the bot fly i don't think well uh, yeah I, I mean a bot fly no you don't the mosquito, it doesn't hurt. I know there's like encephalitis. I know they can hurt you and carry diseases, but I'm 41 years old. I've never gotten one. So I just, you know. Okay. Well, yeah. The, you know what I mean? But th that's just like an itchy bump that like the itch feels good. The bump is the fun The itches to look are at. terrible. I, there's something about it. I like it. I just like it. <laughs> okay. Well, our next bug um, doesn't bite humans, mm -hmm. but it is also... If you want to see some weird pictures, okay, this is it. You ready? Yes. It's the tongue-eating louse. Okay. A tongue-eating tongue louse. Tongue-eating. Is it what? Okay. Tell me more. Okay. Before you totally freak out, it doesn't want to eat our tongues. Okay. It does not eat human tongues, but it does want your fish dinner's tongue. Oh, this louse oh, oh. or isopod is a crustacean and it feeds on fish, aquatic fish. In the okay. Water. It lives in the water and it feeds on fish in the water. It enters the fish through its gills and it goes up into its tongue area and it severs the blood vessels in the tongue, eating the blood until the tongue literally shrivels and dies off. Okay. It then settles in the fish's mouth where it relishes a steady diet of fish mucus and more blood. But the tongue, the, the fish is still alive. It can. Oh, yeah. Fish is just hanging out. It's just out. fine. Just no tongue. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Fine. But. Okay. It doesn't kill it. Okay. Without a tongue. And 
And this louse is in there eating additional pieces of the fish that they're also living in. But this is the only parasite that can fully replace a host's organ. Hmm. So it just sits in the fish's mouth. While it generally doesn't kill the fish, this hellish little isopod tortures it relentlessly. Yeah, that sounds terrible. It's awful. If presented the opportunity, the louse will even mate inside their fishy host. So it calls in another louse. <laughs> and they do their thing in the fish's mouth. Check out this great fish mouth I got. Come back to my fish mouth. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I will say about this guy. So okay. technically, it's not a threat to us. Sure. But then we could eat that fish. Okay. Well, And I will say... It's not dangerous to us physically. Okay. Psychologically, <laughs> I'm telling you, when you see pictures of this, <laughs> you're looking at a fish, and then all of a sudden you realize there are a second set of eyeballs staring out of its oh. mouth at you. Oh, no. It really is horror movie type stuff. All I can think about is while underwater, somebody <laughs> 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 sorry you have to listen to all of our other episodes <laughs> this is gonna be a long-standing you want to google one of these oh like that gosh. one's the one because it is okay you got a little gag reflex oh. you got a little terror it's it's got all all the weird feels okay all right we're gonna move on to the downright scary category okay First on my list are assassin bugs. Mm. Now, there are many different species of assassin bugs, some which can transmit some diseases, but that's really not the scariest thing about them. The scariest thing is really how they kill their prey and how they could possibly bite us. You know, we have a species of, of uh, assassin bugs that live here. They're called wheelie bugs. Have you seen them? They're gray. And they have like these little spiked backs and they have this crazy beak thing. We get them I a don't lot think so. at my in the woods. Okay, we had to have a okay. whole educational talk oh. with the kids about do not touch this thing. Now, the ones that we have here, the wheelie bugs, they will bite the heck out of you and it really hurts. However, I told the boys, I said, don't kill it though. I said, because it, it eats all the other bugs. Okay. That's why it's called an assassin bug. Okay. Because it kills a lot of other harmful bugs okay so it doesn't want to bite us but it goes out and eats a lot of other things you just don't want to mess with it sure but there's a particular type of assassin bug um, and i guess i should go back and say all assassin bugs operate the same way they find an insect and they quickly and violently stab them with their long beaks and then after the uh, insect dies, they inject it with enzymes, which softens their insides. And then they just suck it out like a smoothie. Oh, that's so gross. It is disgusting. So it is so disgusting. They all operate the same. Okay. So if you find like exoskeletons. <laughs> suck it out like a smoothie. Yes. Suck it out like, <laughs> like a smoothie. That's <laughs> right. On a t-shirt. There is suck it out like a smoothie. <laughs> you know, maybe that's going to be our Oktoberfest <laughs> logo. I don't know. <laughs> Now, I'm going to set the scene for okay. you. Imagine you're wandering in the forest near Lake Victoria or Kenya or Tanzania when you spot something strange crawling on a leaf. It looks like a dozen or so ants stuck together in a ball. But look more closely and you'll see the ants are all dead. And there's a nasty looking insect underneath hauling these ant corpses along like a miniature backpack. Ah. You found, and I'm going to say the scientific name here, so I apologize if I skip over it a little bit, but Ancanthus, Ancanthaspis pedix. Okay. Right. Like other assassin bugs, it hunts its prey by piercing it with its probisks. That's that little beak thing. Ingesting, injecting paralysis-inducing saliva and an enzyme that dissolves tissue, then sucking out the innards. But unlike other bugs, it then fashions empty ant exoskeletons like protective outerwear. The insect can carry as many as 20 dead ants at a time and binds them together with a sticky excretion, ex yeah, a sticky excretion onto a cluster that may be larger than its own body. 
gross. That's pretty gross. And scary and weird. Like yeah. it eats them all. And then, you know, just wants to carry around their dead bodies. Yeah, that's a part that doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. No. Next is the giant silkworm caterpillar. This South American killer, lovingly known as the assassin caterpillar, has powerful venom responsible for many human fatalities each year. The larvae of this caterpillar have tiny bristles that release a highly poisonous toxin. The toxins are stored in sacs at the base of each spiny bristle. As the spines penetrate the victim, venom flows through the hollow bristles into the puncture wound. It causes symptoms similar to gangrene throughout the body. Oh, no. The leakage of blood into the brain is typically the cause of death. In addition, the toxin's anti-clotting properties make it impossible to stop the bleeding. Oh, yeah. Interesting enough, a little side note about this. Scientists have actually been studying this worm because of the anti-clotting stuff. Okay. And they're Mm. like, maybe we can make something to help people with like hypertension. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. This deadly guy might actually wind up saving some lives. Yeah. But I don't know. The gangrene and the bleeding from my brain. After being stung by a caterpillar, that that kind of did me in. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. Scary. Yeah. On the scary list. All right. Now, you guys might roll your eyes about the next few, but I'm sorry. I find them terrifying. The next one is bed bugs. Oh, that's just gross. Yeah. They're gross and a little terrifying. Bed bugs are tiny little vampires mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. feed on our blood, usually at night. Their bites can result in a number of health impacts, including skin rashes, psychological effects, and allergic symptoms. Bed bug bites may lead to skin changes ranging from small areas of redness to prominent blisters. Symptoms may take between minutes to days appear, and itchiness is generally present. Some individuals may feel tired or have a fever. While the bites are not known to transmit any infectious disease, the real fear of bed bugs for me and for many actually hit your pocketbook. Mm-hmm. In a survey conducted by Orkin in 2016, um, it was found that over 80% of hotels have been treated for bed bugs in the past year. With an average cost, I mean, the, the treatment and the loss of a room, of $7,000 per incident. On average, a hotel could experience upwards of seven bed bug events per year. Okay, so number one, that terrifies me because I'm a traveler mm-hmm. and I love to stay at hotels. Mm-hmm. And ew, because yeah. what are the chances that I'm one day going to get one that has bed bugs? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Because you can't see them. No. And no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hi. Additionally, 45% of all surveyed hotels have faced litigation due to bed bugs. With an average cost of almost $25,000 per infestation. So if you're a hotelier, this mm-hmm. is a big deal. These are terrifying. Oh, yeah. Well, a bed be- bug outbreak. Because the other thing is, like, they you can bring them home with you. And, like, you can. Uh, yeah. There was one time Andy and I went on a vacation and we stayed in a new place. And I don't know. We didn't see bed bugs. But I was like, I, if there was a place that had bed bugs, it was this place. <laughs> and then we we were there for one night. And then we went to a really nice place after that. And the whole time I was thinking, what if we brought bed bugs? They probably weren't there. But, you know, I'm kind of a snob. So I was like, Ugh. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? We could have potentially brought bed bugs from the well, one place to the second and then brought them home. Yeah, because they can travel in, I mean, they can travel on a person, they can travel in mm-hmm. clothes, they can travel in luggage, they just travel. Mm-hmm. And so all it takes is one or two. Yeah. And and they're there. Yeah. Yeah. So this has also been exacerbated in recent years because there's been a pesticide resistance coming up in bed bugs. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Exactly. Treatments like DDT that were once effective are now not effective at all against bed bugs. They are learning how to like yeah. survive. Yeah, exactly. So here are some interesting facts about bed bugs. Bed bugs can lay one to five eggs in a day and more than 500 in a lifetime. Bed bugs can survive for several months without eating. 
So there was this kind of this theory of like, well, if you just close the room, they'll just die out. Mm -mm. That does not happen. They can live for months without Mm. it. So you have to treat. They can withstand a wide range of temperatures from nearly freezing to 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Bed bugs draw blood for about five minutes before retreating to digest it. Bed bug hatchlings are so tiny they can pass through a stitch hole in a mattress. Bed bugs can ingest seven times their own weight in blood, which would be the equivalent of an average size male drinking 120 gallons of liquid. And finally, bud bugs, bed bugs are found in all 50 U.S. states. Oh, yeah. So, so gross. Now that out of all of them you mentioned so far, that's the one that grosses me out. Oh, they're just, I don't know, little lurkers. They're yeah. lurking yeah. places. I yeah. don't like that. No. I don't like that. And they live where we live. Yeah. It's like most of the other bugs, as long as you're not climbing trees and like, right. you know, you're, these are like in your house. In your house. In your hotel. In your hotels. And in your, your vacation. Right. Yeah. They also have been found a lot in uh, air travel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but that kind of makes too. sense, though, if you're leaving a hotel. And I just say hotels because you think about it that so many people are coming and going. Yeah. Ugh. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, next on my list, I mean, I actually thought it was going to pack a punch, but you just went through this whole speech about mosquitoes. And so now another one is mosquitoes. Well, let's see if you can scare me away. <laughs> I'm going to try because Probably stop not. letting them bite you, you weirdo. <laughs> Too late now. The damage is done. I'm immune. If I'd known, I would have grown an immunity. I would have. <laughs> all right. Well, let me see. At least I could give you some new facts about this. Yeah. Tell right? me what I've done to myself. I will tell you, they are the actual most dangerous creature on Earth. They cause more dust than any other creature on Earth. Mosquitoes. That's very interesting. They are the most. So, I mean, a fun fact, if you say, what's the most deadly animal on Earth? Everybody's like, oh, rhinoceros. Yeah. Tigers. And no, it's literally the mosquito. Wow. I did not know They that. kill more people on this planet than almost anything else. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are ancient and unending. Mm. The oldest known mosquitoes were found in amber, dating to the earliest stages of the late Cretaceous period, meaning they are about 99 million years old. Hmm. There are currently over 3,500 species of blood-sucking mosquitoes infesting the earth. Typically, both male and female mosquitoes feed on nectar, aphid honeydew, and plant juices. But in many species, the mouth parts of the female are adapted for piercing the skin of animal hosts and sucking their blood. Depending on species, the female either needs to obtain nutrients from a blood meal before it can produce eggs, or it enables the female to lay more eggs. Okay. Did you so know that? Need, I did not. Yeah, that's so. And it's only females then. Males do not bite you. They are only females and they are biting you because they need your blood in order to give them what they need to produce their eggs. Okay. So by giving them all your blood, you have just made more mosquitoes. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome to fellow mosquito bite lovers. Just be careful. You will count immune if you let them eat you Or catch an infectious disease. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> a mosquito has a variety of ways to find nectar or its prey, including chemical, visual, and heat sensors. Among humans, the feeding preferences of mosquitoes typically include those with type O blood, mm-hmm. heavy breathers, mm. those with an abundance of skin bacteria, high body heat, and pregnant women. Yes. That I knew that. Here. I knew the pregnant women because that is the one time in my life that I've not allowed mosquitoes to bite me because of the encephalitis. Yeah. Is it encephalitis? Uh, uh, Zika. Zika, that's what it was. Zika I'm sorry. became the thing. That was yeah. a, a 2020 thing too. Yes. Like Zika. Well, and it was really big during one of my pregnancies so that I was a freak about it. Yeah. Now, genetics also play a role. The preferred victim's sweat smells more attractive than others because of the proportions of carbon dioxide, octanol, and other components that make up body odor. A large part of the mosquito's sense of smell or olfactory system is devoted to sniffing out blood sources. Of 72 types of odor receptor in its antenna, at least 27 are tuned to detect chemicals found in perspiration. Hmm. I just think that's fascinating. It's really interesting. Prior to and during blood feeding, blood-sucking mosquitoes inject saliva into the bodies of the source of blood. The saliva serves as an anticoagulant. 
Without it, the female mosquitoes probisc, like their little straw, might become clogged with blood clots. Mm -hmm. And this is also the main route by which mosquitoes transfer pathogens and disease into our bloodstream because they're injecting the saliva. So all those little pathogens go in with it. Um, the mosquito bite often leaves an itchy welt, a raised bump. And these are caused by histamines trying to fight off the protein left by the uh, insect's venom. Okay. Or their saliva, essentially. Mosquitoes can act as vectors for many disease-causing viruses and parasites. Yeah, here we go. She's the bot fly. Yes. <laughs> Infected mosquitoes can carry these organisms from person to person without exhibiting symptoms themselves. Mosquito-borne diseases include yellow fever, which illnesses from uh, yellow fever include aches and pains to severe liver disease with bleeding and yellowing skin, like jaundiced skin, dengue fever. Severe cases of dengue often require hospitalization and can be life-threatening shortly after infection. Symptoms include a high fever, aches and pains, vomiting, and rashes. Warning signs of severe dengue infection include vomiting, blood, bleeding from the gums and nose, and stomach tenderness and pain. Hmm. Also is chikungunya. The name chikungunya derives from a word in the Kema Kandi language meaning to become contorted. In symptomatic patients, symptoms typically come on four to eight days after the infected mosquito bite. It is characterized by an abrupt onset of fever, frequently accompanied by severe joint pain. The joint pain is often debilitating and usually lasts for a few days, but may be prolonged, lasting for weeks, months, or years. Oh, man. Other common signs and symptoms include joint swelling, muscle pain, headache, nausea, fatigue, and rash. That's awful. It off chikugunga. Cross it off my list. Yeah. No, thank you. Malaria, as we know, begins with a headache, fever, chills. If malaria is not treated within 24 hours, the infection can progress to severe illness and death. Uh, lymphatic filariaris which causes elephantitis. Are you familiar with this? I believe so. It's where like certain limbs, I think, like swell really badly. Yeah. The reason they do that is because a microscopic thread-like worm engages, invades the lymph system. It clogs up the lymph system, these okay. little worms. And so fluid can't drain in lymph system the way it's supposed to. And it most commonly attacks limbs and genitals. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. We also have West Nile virus. We also have equine encephalitis. We've got tularemia. We've got some Zika. We got St. Louis encephalitis. And we have heartworm disease in our pets. Yes. That is a real fear of mine. So the so none of these other things bother you but the heartworm in your dogs. Like you're I like, that know. is terrifying. I just feel <laughs> like I've beat the odds. <laughs> Well, various species of mosquitoes are estimated to transmit various types of disease to more than 700 million people annually in Africa, South America, Central America, Mexico, Russia, and much of Asia with millions of resultant deaths. I will say, too, that a lot of those, and I'm not being like closed my I know that they're dangerous and I know I shouldn't let mosquitoes bite me. I know. <laughs> but uh in a lot more third world, um, underdeveloped countries, it's it's a much bigger issue, right? Yes. than it is here. Yeah, and and sadly, at least two million people annually die of these diseases, and the morbidity rates sometimes are higher than that. That's and that's really awful. It's really yeah. awful. Um, so again, I mean, the deadliest creature on the planet, sure, is a tiny little mosquito. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. Here's where I'm going to leave you. Okay. I know everybody wants to be totally creeped out here at the end. Mm. So what I've done is found some incredible stories about insects that been have been found in people's ears. <laughs> now that creeps me out. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Number one, a screw worm fly larva. Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> When, Rach when Rochelle Harris returned to Britain from vacation in Peru in 2013, she began to hear scratching noises in her mm -mm. ear. Then came the splitting headaches and the unexplained discharge. At first, doctors thought it was just an ear infection. 
but then they found the larvae of the screwworm fly larva, which had chewed a tiny hole in her ear canal. Oh, gosh. Surgeons removed what they called a writhing mass of maggots. <gasps> oh, no. <sighs> Thankfully, Harris didn't suffer any serious injuries oh, outside of psychological. The maggots in our brain. I don't know, my maggots <laughs> falling out of my ear. Okay, gross. <laughs> Yuck. Second, we have some fruit fly babies. Ooh. Oh, so cute. Yeah, it's true. A woman in Taiwan was diagnosed to have fruit fly larvae in her ear canal. When the doctor removed her hearing aid, bloody fluid was found. Closer infection revealed a fly infestation. Oh, my gosh. In her ear. Number three is a cricket. Yes, an entire cricket. An entire... I I really do a deep dive on this. I'm not going to tell you anything that's not real. And I thought this was made up when I read the story. I went and found the video. Oh, no. There is a video of this cricket being removed from this man's ear. And it is... I mean, I literally had to, like, pick my draw up off the floor. A man sought medical assistance in India complaining about ear discomfort. The doctor found a three-inch cricket. What? A three-inch cricket. It's like a real... It's an enormous freaking cricket. You can see in the video, like, its back legs like, floop out. Is and- it still alive? Oh, yeah. Because what's it eating? Oh, I don't... Earwax? I don't, I don't, know. <laughs> don't know. It is really gross. The good news is this is really rare. Uh, <laughs> let's hope so. Uh, I mean, but... <laughs> Goodness gracious. It's e. guys, it's gross. Spider. Okay. Yeah. I've in heard that. 2012, a woman in China went to the hospital complaining about an itchy ear. The doctor found a spider creating a web in her ear canal. Oh. Doctors believe it had been living in there for at least five days. Ew. That's yeah. Ew. 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 Two more biggies for you. I've got a moth here. A boy named Wade Schlote in Colorado was trying to get to sleep one night in June of 2011 when he was experiencing something truly terrible. A moth crawled into the 12-year-old's ear, and it hurt. A lot. Hmm. I had a moment of panic, he said. I was in pain. It was hurting so much, I was screaming and crying. His mother rushed into the hospital, where doctors were skeptical, but eventually came around when they saw a moth Crawling around in Schlote's ear. And unfortunately for Schlote, it didn't want to come out. The doctors tried numbing my ear, thinking it would help with the pain and kill the moth. But it didn't work, Schlote said. Then they tried drowning it. That didn't work. Then they tried irrigating it. That didn't work. Finally, the doctor pulled it out with tweezers. And when they did, it was still alive. And started flying around the room. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know why that visual makes me laugh. It's wild. Next wilder, the doctors caught the moth, put it in a jar, and gave it to the boy to take home. Well, what else would you do with it? <laughs> he, hey, Here's guys, your ear moth. This is, this is my ear moth, Jim. <laughs> and lastly, you know, I had to end it with a cockroach. Oh, no. Yeah. Cockroach in the ear. One night in January 2014 in Darwin, Australia, a resident, Hendrik Helmer, was awakened at 2.30 a.m. by a sharp, overwhelming pain in his ear. He suspected an insect had crawled in there um, while he was sleeping. After attempting to remove it himself, first by flushing his ear with water, which, side note, that seems reasonable, then by using a vacuum cleaner. Okay. Inventive. 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 Yeah, inventive. <laughs> He went to the hospital, so after that didn't work. Doctors poured a little olive oil in, waited 10 minutes for the creature to die, then pulled out a nearly one-inch-long cockroach. And surprise, it had an emerald wasp inside. (laughs) So I hope you guys (laughs) are satisfied with our spooky, spooky episode. We have so much fun this time of year and sharing these just bizarre little stories is such a treat for us. Go Google a hairworm. Go Google a tongue-eating louse. Go check out my little friend there, the emerald cockroach wasp. Oh my gosh. It's wild. Watch a video. We, you know what? We are going to leave this 
booth right now, Cynthia, mm-hmm. and we are going to go watch the video. All right. It is I'm in. wild. It I'm in. Wild. <laughs> Maybe we should even post a video on our... We'll do it. Maybe. You know? All right, guys. If we're able to, we'll do it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We may need to post on our socials because yeah. wild. Love it. Okay. All right. That's the stuff of nightmares, Stephanie. That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Well, join us next week as we bring you more thrills and chills. Yeah. Oktoberfest lives on. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us at the Dark Oak. Bye-bye. This has been a Just Us Gals production with artwork by Justice Holmes and music by Ryan Creek.